Welcome to the Kickstart Your Edge Play to Win Leadership Podcast, where we've flipped the script with our groundbreaking modus operandi to bring you real, relevant, and relatable tactics and techniques to master your own play to win mindset. Talk about a superpower. It's time to iron your cape. What we know for sure is what got you here won't get you there. You can't see the spinach in your own teeth. And finally, hang on, because this one is really deep. Once you realize that you are the traffic, everything makes complete and unadulterated sense. Welcome to The Edge, where playing not to lose is not an option. Hey, Karen, I uh, have to tell you, I'm excited to be talking about fear today. I know we have some really interesting concepts to share. Um, And this is a follow-up, part two of our Fearless Forward You concept. We had just come off of a large sales meeting with 330 people where we took uh, the group and the team through a whole bunch of different exercises. It was super fun. Our last episode, we talked about fearless. This episode, we were talking about fear. And of course, it made me think of the band Tears for Fear. Because who else would think about that? (laughs) Exactly. But I was thinking Tears for Fear. Like, where do they even get their name? So are you ready for some random trivia? Yeah, I always want you to start singing one of their songs, though, but advice for the young at heart. That's Tears for Fears, right? Uh, Everybody wants to rule the world. Shout, shout, let it all out. These are the things I can do without. Come on. Anyway, so the band was formed in 1981, which definitely shows why it is something that's in my head. And the band's name, Tear for Fears, was a phrase that was found in a book called The Primal Scream. And it refers to the oh-so-feel-good release of bottled-up emotions. And they really took the name as a reference to the emotional intensity of their songs. That's interesting. It is interesting because it is, fear is all about emotions, right? So when we have fear around something, to be honest, we're not afraid of the thing. We're afraid of how the thing may make us feel. Keyword may make us feel. That's right. Because we all know our feelings come from our thoughts. So what we think about something creates and generates a feeling for us. That feeling is going to determine the actions that we take or we don't take. Those actions are going to determine our results. So that's TFAR in a nutshell. And it's interesting because when we have fear, fear, well, and we're going to talk about four different kinds of fear today. It's the what, like, let's take fear of failure. It's not about failure itself. It's what failure feels like. If we look at the fear of what other people think, it's not what people think. It's what it feels like to us to have other people think those things about us. Yeah. And and that's all it is because it's all your thoughts. And I know that, you know, people that have been listening to us for a long time, well, or maybe even not a long time, uh, know that we're not, it's so funny. We're just so not a fear-based company and we're not fear-based people. And I feel like there's so many kind of organizations out there that try to use fear to get people to do something. And one of the, the 
the companies that I'm thinking about has to do with, you know, getting in shape and weight loss and different kinds of things like that. And it's always like playing on people's fears that, oh my gosh, if you don't do this, or if you don't sign up and trying to almost scare people into having to do something to actually get better. And I don't know, I think that you and I, I mean, it would just be so weird if we ever tried to do that because we're so not living in that fear world because we don't, we don't believe that fear needs to stop anybody because fear gives you the opportunity to challenge a belief system and to become fearless. Right. And we don't fear, we don't feel that fear needs to be a motivator as well. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the four buckets of fear, right? So I'm going to review them and then we'll take them one by one. We have fear of uncertainty, the fear of what other people think, the fear of not being good enough, and the fear of failure. Now, obviously, there's a gazillion kinds of fear. Feel, I can't even talk anymore. There's a Obviously, there's a gazillion types of fear. And they fit in all different ways. But when we're kind of just looking at this as a concept, we decided to stick with these four categories of fear. And so we thought we'd break them down a little bit about how it shows up, why it's a fear. And maybe you can identify yourself to say, yes, I recognize I have that fear in this area of my life or whatever have you. So Karen, we're going to start with the fear of uncertainty. So you know, it's some people like to call it the fear of uncertainty. Some people call it the fear of unknown. Um, a lot of what happens here is, is it, you know, is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? And the funny thing is when things change, people tend to believe that, oh my gosh, it's going to get worse, which is all about uncertainty. The things that pop up for them are the, oh my gosh, what if I can't handle it? Which I love to ask people, and what if you can, right? So we we really get stuck in that spot of, you know, what if, what if, what if, and we don't think about what actually is, and it kind of keeps you stuck in that uncertainty. And, and you kind of get, what happens is you stay in uncertainty and you're so afraid of uncertainty that you actually get what it is that you don't want which is uncertainty. You know, I'm going to pull out a sentence that you said, because I think it's really, really, really profound, right? That is that uncertainty brings up the question, will it be better or will it be worse? So when we think about this with the organizations that we work with, right? You get a new leader, Am I going to like them better or worse? Or is it going to be a more positive experience or is it going to be a worse experience? Um, oftentimes we have our own set of rhythms, rituals, routines. When we know what's going to happen in our mind, we think we know, although truthfully, everything's uncertain. Um, we have sort of a familiarity that gives us predictable outcomes for the most part. When those rhythms, rituals, and routines are removed because there's a new person, a new vision, something's happened in the marketplace, um, something's happened within the company, 
all of a sudden the exposure of, oh my gosh, it could be different than what I know. And that's what people really, really fear. They fear the fact that I know how to handle it if it's exactly the same. I'm not sure I know how to handle it if it's different. And I think that when people realize the spin cycle that we put ourselves through with better or worse, or what does this mean? Or how does I fit in? It's really trying to future trip and predict and try to control the outcome versus to what might be possible here. How could this be the best thing that ever happened for us? If we were to really embrace this change, what could we together create? And so it's interesting because we're trying to control it by our thinking as opposed to being open to what the uncertainty might bring. You know, it's funny I read and what that you just brought up about fear. It's like, you know, your brain is kind of scanning um, about what's going to happen next. And that's that's such a big thing because it really is about your brain. So your brain is in that spot of trying to be the crystal ball and is trying to predict what's going to happen next so it can prepare yourself in the most effective way possible for what's going to happen next. But it doesn't know. So it makes it really, really hard. It's almost like you're, you know, you're in this spot if you're not really examining what it is that you're thinking then it can really leave you stressed out. It can leave you anxious. And 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 I think that so much of this, it leaves you powerless because you're trying to create, you know, you're trying to be like the, uh, you know, the tarot card people that say they can predict your future. And, and it's that you can't, right? Your brain is that future predicting machine because it hates ambiguity, but the machine doesn't work. Yeah, that's great. All right, we're going to pivot on to fear of what other people think about us. And it's interesting because this can show up as people pleasing. It can show up of being reserved and not being fully expressed. Um, you know, when you think about it, care, um, you think about kids, right? And they get to a certain age where one day they are being silly, goofy, funny, uh, standing up, performing, you know, loves having people around them. And they're just getting, you know, they're being six years old or whatever. And then the very next day, they realize people may have an opinion and they'll be judged and they immediately stop. I'm embarrassed. I don't want to embarrass myself, right? That's where the fear of what other people think hits us. And it can show up in many, many different ways, right? So it might be, um, you know, sometimes you might say no, and you really mean you want to say yes, or vice versa. You know, you're concerned about what a feeling, feeling embarrassed or feeling rejected, or being viewed as different. And so what? how this can show up in the workplace is we don't challenge the status quo. We don't raise our hands up in meetings. We don't share our ideas. We don't think big. We go to more how the group thinks versus how we individually think. And um, it can be a real showstopper. Because you care what other people think. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because even yesterday when we were at that... Um, the event that we were at, um, 
somebody said something to me about, Gil, I wonder what that person's going to think. And my response was, why do you care? And she just looked at me and she just started laughing. And she said, I need to spend more time with you. But, <laughs> but, but it is, it's just like, why do you care? I, 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 I don't care what other people think. So probably almost sometimes to a fault. Like, I don't, I don't care. But, you know, it's, it's really, again, about challenge. This is all coming back to TFAR, right? It's challenging your own thinking. And I think there's this great phrase I once heard is let people be wrong about you. Yeah. Let them think whatever they do. All right, going on. So uh, the fear of not being good enough. This is one that shows up, right? A lot of times if you're like, I'm a perfectionist, ding, 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 right? So why does it have to be perfect? When is good enough, good enough? When, um, this is really a lot about comparing and they call it compare and despair, right? So if you have a fear of not being good enough, that means you are looking at other people and ranking how good are they? So um, it's really about letting go of comparing yourselves to others, being and the only comparison that you could have is to yourself, be getting better every day is what I like to say, right? And it's about um, a lot of times when we have that fear of not being good enough, we stay with the status quo, we don't try. Uh, imposter syndrome sometimes comes into play. We sit there and go, how in the world did I even get here? This is such a fluke. And we don't own our greatness and own our contribution and own what it is that we have to give to um, our coworkers, to our teams, to the business. Yeah. And, you know, it when with the whole perfectionism piece of this, it's just all it does is it keeps you stuck in a spot that's going to set you up to be frustrated again and again and again. Because if you think about it, you can go two ways, right? It's never going to be perfect. Or, oh my gosh, it has to be perfect. One of the things that we had worked on with a team once is, okay, guys, let's do B minus work. And helping them to be okay with B minus work. Because the perfectionism was just, it it was crippling for them. And it was like they had handcuffs on. It's interesting because their perfectionism, striving for A plus work, ended up being C minus, right? So it just sort of affected a lot of things because it delayed more work getting done. It, you know, when you are in the perfectionism mode, it's at the expense of something and looking at what those trade offs really are. And so, Jen, what do we have? The fear of failure, right? So this is one that. If you're a procrastinator, take a look at this fear, right? What are you actually delaying? Why are you delaying it? Um, this is with fear of failure is um, not wanting to feel what failure feels like. Say that so, three times real fast. I can't. <laughs> so this is when people start to rationalize or they downplay the importance of something. They'll say, oh, I'm not interested in that anymore. Or, you know, that's really not for me. Or that's not my strong suit. They start to let go of their hopes and their dreams because of their concern about being able to actually um, get to the other side 
and be fearless. And yes, they may fail along the way, but it's their relationship with failure that needs to change, not just not participating. You know, Jen, it's funny that you talked earlier about, you know, kids and they're doing their silly dancing and things like that. And then they stop, you know, because they're they're worried about what other people think. And the fear of failure always makes me think about that. Like, could, could you imagine if like like a kid when they're, you know, whatever, seven months old and they're going to start to walk and they fall, right? Technically, they failed. Like, what if you, okay, kid, like you never have to try that again, right? But something as simple and ridiculous as that, right? We don't label the kid a failure because the kid's seven months old and they couldn't walk the first time. It's like, all right, get up. Let's do it again. But so often that when we get older, we attach so much meaning. <laughs> it's I know I'm laughing so hard because I'm like, kids don't walk at seven months. So I, I just, I, I, I walked at seven months. I'm sure you did, but the average kid will walk between 11 and 16 months. So I was just thinking of this little seven month old, but the concept still applies. And I love but it. So, you know, I was climbing fences at 18 months old. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. But the concept still applies, Karen. I love that you bring it up, right? It's that could you imagine that a a um, result not anticipated, because that might be what failure is, yeah. right? Uh, and a result not desired. Like how many times we have to go through things to get to the other side. And I got to tell you, I, I'm a learning junkie. I love learning new things. And the only way I get to learn new things is by not doing things well, is by not knowing how to do something, by trying something and not being successful. It allows me to shift my perspective, learn more figure out the workaround, figure out how to go around it. And um, I got to tell you, it's made me such a better person in the long run. You know what I think, Jen, that's a great way to look at it. And and it's almost, it's kind of like how I, I approached skiing years ago. Right? My mantra for skiing was if you're not falling, you're not trying. And all the times that I roll down the hill doesn't mean that I was a failure. It's like, okay, great. These are the steps that I need to take to figure out how to learn to ski. So I think that so much of this, again, shocking news alert here, it's all about your mindset and how you're looking at it. So in conclusion, a great way to know if any of these four fears are showing up for you, listen for your excuses. When you make excuses with they this or they that, or we don't have budget or all of those things that come up to mind and you can hear on a daily basis, those are code for excuses on why you're not finding your way around it. So on that note, Karen, it's a wrap. We're done. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Kickstart Your Edge Play to Win Leadership Podcast. Craving more? Of course you are. Check out our website at kickstartyouredge.com where we fire you up, fan the flames of your competitive edge culture, 
and ignite your tenacious pursuit of an all-out play-to-win mindset.